This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. You are listening to a section of the LibriVox NaNoWriMo project, in which a number of LibriVox volunteers write and record a whole novel together, in serial form, during November 2006. The project is based on the idea started by the National Novel Writing Month. Chapter 4, written by Heather Barnett, recorded by Heather Barnett. You're going where? Tracy shrieked into the phone. Egypt, sis. The dry tone of Trevor's voice came clearly through the phone connection. Tracy dropped Natalie's nap-time teddy bear onto the couch. I know where Egypt is, T, she said sarcastically. I'm just reeling at the idea of your actually wanting to go there. Egypt. Papyrus. The two connected thoughts flitted into her head, and she almost dropped the phone. Tracy? Tracy, are you there? Tracy shook her head, trying to clear the fog away. Um, I'm here. Natalie, honey, I'll put you down in a minute. The baby's chubby hands were grabbing for her teddy bear. Trevor, I'm sorry, I'm not able to process this right now. Can I call you back? She didn't listen for her brother's reply. She hung up the phone and put Natalie down for her nap, slowly letting the idea of Trevor's trip settle onto her. Trevor was going to Egypt. The woman stepped off the shuttle bus and onto the busy streets of London. It was good to be back, she thought, taking a moment to look around at the city panorama. People were everywhere, natives and tourists alike, moving as one massive bustling cogwork. To the woman, the sight was like a single taste of a favorite sweet. It filled her with sensations of pleasure, and left her wanting more. Not that living in the U.S. was bad. Actually, she loved everything about living there, just as much as she loved her work. But London? London was home. She frowned. She was not back here for good. She had a job, something that needed to be done. She pulled out a paper from her suit coat pocket and looked at it for a moment, then slipped it back into her pocket. She put up a hand to hail a taxi. When the taxi arrived, she gave the driver directions and sat back into her seat. Her posture was relaxed, but her right hand twitched a little with nervous energy. Was she sure she could do this? I have to do this, she commanded herself sternly. She took in a few deep breaths and looked out the window, this time not seeing any of the crowds of people. She pulled out a package of biscuits they'd given her on the plane and slowly chewed on one, thinking about several of the women she knew in the U.S. and their obsession with diets, currently low-carb, low-protein, and or low-saturated fat. Well, everything, she muttered to herself. She herself was currently on a low-sugar regimen but that was due to her recently diagnosed diabetes. "'Do you have a family history of diabetes?' her doctor had asked. "'This type of diabetes often runs in families.' "'Lots of things run in families,' she thought, swallowing hard at the notion. "'Here you are, then,' announced the taxi driver, parking the vehicle on the left side of the street. She paid her fare and then entered the building, a high-rise hotel, unlike the one- or two-story hotels and motels in the small U.S. town where she'd been living for the last two years. The interior of the hotel was run down. Red wallpaper was peeling on one of the walls, revealing the white paint of previous years. She walked across the threadbare carpet to the check-in desk. The heavy-set woman there was talking on the telephone and shot her new customer an annoyed look. She lowered her voice and said something about seeing someone tonight 
in honeyed tones that could only mean she was talking to a significant other. "'How can I help you?' she finally asked, tone still annoyed, as she sat down the telephone. The woman gave her name and informed her that she was checking in. The hotel clerk nodded curtly and handed her a check-in sheet. Her room was small and smelled of cigarette smoke. She frowned and settled her suitcase onto the rickety luggage rack. She set her laptop onto the room's small desk, turned the computer on, and checked for email messages. Nothing. She turned on her mobile phone and made a similar check. Still nothing. Her hands twitched nervously. She flicked on the television, then flicked it back off. She considered reading a book or magazine. No, she couldn't concentrate on reading anything. A long soak in the bath? Blissful thought. Not enough time, she thought reluctantly. With a sigh, she decided on a shower. Forty minutes later, she was clean and refreshed, at least as refreshed as possible. The shower had been calming, though, she decided. Her hands were able to stay still now. She turned her laptop back on, and almost immediately an instant message popped up. Shanna 232. You're online. I've been looking for you frantically. You see, girl. Sorry, I had an emergency come up. Shanna 232. A family emergency? You see, girl. Something like that. Shanna 232. Is everything okay? Did someone die? You see, girl. No, nothing like that. I just had to come home for a few days to take care of something. Shanna 232. Home? So you're in England? You see, girl. Yes, England. Shanna 232. Are you going to tell me what's happened? Dr. Grant told me that he had something come up and needed you to fill in for him. He says he told you, but you didn't show. So I'd assume your emergency was pretty major. No reply. Shanna 232. Are you there? I'm sorry if I ask something you don't want to answer. I just want you to know I'm here for you. Friends need to be there for each other. You see, girl. It's okay, Shanna. I just can't talk about it at the moment. Did everything work out with Dr. Grant? Shanna, 232. Yeah, Gary covered for you. You owe him big time. Smiley face. You see, girl. I'll have to send him a thank you card. Shanna, 232. Ha, ha. You should actually say yes to him next time he asks you out. The guy worships you, you know. You see, girl. Shanna. Shanna, 232. He's a great guy. I know you like him, so why won't you date him? You see, girl. I... Shanna, I... Shanna, 232. I know, I know. You're not ready to date anyone. Or even to get close to someone. You see, girl. There are things I haven't told you. I wouldn't want Gary to get hurt. Shanna, 232. I'm here for you when you need to talk. You see, girl. I know that. Shanna, 232. Good. You see, girl. I... Shanna, I need to go now. Shanna, 232. Stay in touch, okay? You see, girl. I'll try. You see, girl, has logged off. She stared at the computer screen for a minute. Something felt lodged in her throat. She stood up briskly. She had to be doing something. She closed her laptop. After putting it into her briefcase, she ensured that nothing of importance was left in her luggage, and then left her room. The dining room was characteristically small. It was late afternoon, so only one other diner was in the room. Though the windows were minuscule, bright afternoon sunlight filled the room. She sat in a shadowed corner and ordered a late lunch. It was hours since she'd eaten the airplane breakfast, and her stomach was begging for food. 
a turkey sandwich bowl of fruit and glass of tap water were served to her by a skinny indian girl with crooked teeth who chattered non-stop the woman looked away wishing the girl would leave she finally did her face showing disappointment evidently deciding that this unresponsive patron would not tip big she set up her laptop and opened up the file she was working on she'd been trying to think of something for her research for the last few days but she just couldn't put her finger on it what was it a flash of memory hit her she was huddled in a closet and her mother was screaming at her father outside the child she had been covered her ears but she couldn't drown out the sound not that she shivered she didn't want to remember that she tried to steady her breathing letting the memory dissipate a minute later the crooked teeth waitress came over to her table she seemed reluctant to talk now but finally she said there's a gentleman that wants to know if he can join you she straightened in her seat looking at the entryway to the dining-room a tall man was there his back facing her he was dressed in a gray suit his brown hair cut short she nodded tell him to come right over she said the waitress picked up her empty fruit bowl then walked over to the man they conversed for a moment and then the man turned and came toward her he was clean-shaven perhaps in his late thirties he looked average in every way except that as he approached she saw that his dark brown eyes were sharp and that they were gauging her miss brown he queried his accent was slight but she thought it was either american or canadian yes she answered quietly not wanting her voice to carry i'm mr gray i believe we have friends in common she hesitated then nodded you have something for me he sat down in a minute he said waving a hand dismissively her jaw clenched i'm here to get the packet she reminded him tersely nothing more nothing less a dark eyebrow lifted marks didn't say you were so feisty her eyebrows narrowed i don't work for you or mr marks she pronounced crisply and i'd ask you to kindly remember that ah but you do work for us he said his eyes darkening need i remind you of the agreement you <coughs> came to with mr marks eleven months ago her breath caught and she stared at his impassive face the corners of his mouth lifted in a mocking smile her heart was racing finally she managed to say fine then how can i help you he pushed a full manila envelope toward her there now was it so hard to ask nicely she gave him a dirty look and then opened the envelope with shaking hands inside were the papers she expected pages and pages of typewritten information she breathed hard this was what she wanted this was what she had come for is it all there she asked all except one little page mr gray answered lightly what her head snapped up you'll get the page i promise he said the mocking smile was back all you have to do is one painless job for us what job he pulled out a small envelope from his inside jacket pocket and handed the envelope to her their hands touched and she recoiled a hint of a smile was on his face she ignored that and opened the envelope several items fell out she picked up one of them and stared it was a first-class ticket to egypt end of chapter four recorded on november fifth two thousand six